0: Listening to the Ed Reach Network.
1: Ed Gamer, episode 48 on Ed Reach, Boise State's 3D Game Lab with Chris Haskell. This is Ed Gamer for Saturday, April fourteenth, twenty twelve. Ed Gamer's part started- Chris Haskell in Oh this. goodness gracious, Jerry. I know. Sorry. Okay, I'll change it. Doctor There we go. Chris Hey, okay. Boise State's three D Game Lab with Doctor Chris Haskell. This is Ed Gamer for Saturday, April fourteenth, twenty twelve. Ed Gamer's part of the EdReach Network. EdReach.US, US giving education a voice. A big voice. That was good, Jerry. That was good. I'm getting that that was that was actually Doctor Chris Haskell. That was way better than than That's way better. You might have to bring it back more often. And gentlemen, please, please, just call me Dr. Haskell. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I feel so wonderful. Okay. This show is dedicated to education gaming on any platform. We will give you the education angle on any type of games, ranging from tabletops to MMOs. We will discuss how these games impact student learning and how they can be used effectively within the classroom. I am Zach. I'm Jerry. And our guest today is... Doctor, I gotta put, Dr. Chris Haskell. Uh, please just call me Chris. I'm Chris Haskell from Boise State. Okay, and, and just as simple as that, isn't it? It is. It's very simple. Jerry? My name is Jerry James. I'm a visual arts teacher in Schaumburg, Illinois. And my name is Zach Gilbert, and I'm your host. I'm a sixth grade social studies language arts teacher from Normal, Illinois. Well, today we have Chris from Boise State and we had him back on episode was it 13 It was 13 remember and yesterday was 13
2: well and I don't th- I don't know if people know this but uh, episode 13 and all of those early episodes were actually recorded on wax cylinders <laughs> yes.
1: yes I think we're working on uh, digitizing those and uh, resampling and and it's uh, important
2: because yeah. you know time will not be good to them
1: no. no, no, no. It, you know, and uh, summer's coming.
2: Yes. <laughs>
1: and it, it could be, could be a problem. So uh, Chris is, is is part of, or how can I say it? Founder, part founder. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm
2: just a co-creator.
1: Co-creator of Boise State's 3D Game Lab, and we had talked about this uh, about a year ago, and how it started shaping up, and it was even before actually it came out. Is that right, Chris?
2: Yeah, actually, we were just getting we were just getting ready to launch it, and uh, there was a lot of press around it, and so we uh, um, we got to talk a little bit about what was happening, and and it's taken off since then.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it, and of course, I've been trying to <laughs> get into uh, the program, and uh, hopefully, here in the near future, uh, that will that will happen. That's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I'm very excited, and I know I know a guy, so. You know a guy. Okay, I know a guy. I think we can work something out. Uh, that'd be awesome. Okay, <laughs> so uh, so today, kind of the agenda is kind of give some uh, general information for uh, 3D Game Lab. Uh, talk about a little bit about some badges. Yeah. Uh, and uh, a study that you've done for 3D Game Lab. You've actually used it for a, about a year.
0: For, yeah.
1: For fully implementing using this program, Minecraft, which is you know a little bit popular. It, there's a thing. Yeah. There's a thing. There's a thing out there, and Lucas uh, Gillespie, and uh, he's he's uh, um, what is that called, Jerry? Uh, F O E. F O uh, yeah. F O E. Oh, he's a foe, but F-O-E. he's really not a foe. He's uh, it's irony. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Friend <laughs> of Ed Gamer. Yeah. So, uh, and then also um, Peggy Sheehy, who, uh who is a phenomenal voice within Games and Learning. Absolutely. And then we might do a little jiving at the end. Excellent. Okay, so give us a little bit about uh, 3D Game Lab and what it does.
2: What well, I, 3D Game Lab is a game engine for learning. Um, it, it's a, a tool that allows you to, uh, to gain rank, uh, score points, uh, complete missions, quests, uh, you can get awards and achievements, all for learning and doing. Um, it applies kind of a metagame over whatever curriculum you have uh, or once by allowing students to choose from quests uh, that are available. Now, what's awesome about it is that, um, for us anyway, that uh, that there was there was no tool out there that allowed allowed us to do this. How how do we give students experience points rather than just filling in points within a grade book column?
1: Um, and I want to I, I want to yeah. fill you in here because I've I've tried to do this. I've actually created a spreadsheet, a Google form Mm -hmm. for experience points for my classes. And it is a pain to keep up to date because I have to enter the data in. I've created a table for, you know, you've reached so many points, you reach level, you know, two, three, four, whatever. And then coming up with rewards or badges that express that level of experience and keeping track of that, and doing that is very difficult, and this is what I'm really excited about with 3D Game Lab because it really does it for you. Exactly,
2: and and that's the key. I mean, there isn't anything that we're talking about in this kind of paradigm of a of a kind of a game construct over a classroom that couldn't be done uh, with post its, uh, you know, markers and and sticky stars. But the heavy lifting of allowing students to choose a meaningful independent path through a curriculum. Um, is much easier with the assistance of of some well-written software. I'm, I'm not a coder, but I told them what to write, you know, and so did my colleague Lisa Dolly. And we ended up with a tool that we're really happy with. Um, we built it about two years ago, the first version of it, an alpha version of it. And then about a year and a half ago, started work on the beta version, which is the one that we're using now, and brought in about 200 teachers in the original uh, group of kind of uh, – you know, game-based, uh, quest-based pioneers, including our friends Lucas and Peg, um, a number of other folks at the time too, and uh, and for a year now they have been uh, developing and implementing their curriculum in a completely game-based, quest-based approach. What I think is really interesting, and it's always worth pointing out, is that um, is that the grade book, you know, the the absolute you know uh, pillar of of our educational structure um, is a 150-year-old technology. It was created, at, you know, at the same time that they were still using uh, leeches uh, <laughs> on the battlefield. Uh, that amputations were, you know, how you dealt with a common
1: cold. Um, I still maybe, think leeches are used. Nah. They, they are. They are effective. But yes, it's been around for a while.
2: Right. Um, and and just about everything else created around that time has been modified, improved. Um, But the gradebook has remained largely the same, and we've digitized it. Um, We've added some structures around it, but we we still kind of implement this approach that says every student will go through the same experience in the same time frame with the same expectations, irregardless of what makes them unique as learners, whether they're ready for it or not. I mean, I like to think of a typical class as a... Um, as a box right and we put in that box what we what we believe is important for that class it doesn't matter if you're ready for the things in that box or not even if you if you know even what they are or how to interact with them um, or uh, if if you know all about them and you don't need to learn you know about more than half of them it doesn't matter the box is the box and and that's how we measure our education but what we liked um, about this idea and uh, inspired us to create the tool that we created was the belief that uh, that each student, you know, comes to class with a unique and specific schema to them, and that schema is what allows them to interact with the things in our class and gives them success. Uh, or failure. Um, and, and failure can happen for those who have a lot of schema also because they're bored out of their mind because they know this. So we wanted to be able to uh, individualize instruction and take away um, the two most dangerous pieces, which, were, which still is comparison to other students. Because if we're, if we're truly focused on content and competencies, the other students shouldn't matter. It's the student and the competency. Right. Um, and the other piece is time. Um, we know what happens if we give our students a week to work on something. When do they start it?
0: The day before. Mm-hmm. Or,
2: or sometimes on the bus on the way to school that day. Yeah,
1: yeah. Or in the gym waiting to come to class before school.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, so we know and they know that the time given is not necessary to complete it. So if we remove those expectations of time and allow students to work freely, um, we we see the uh, the benefits of those things. I mean that's that's one of Alfie Kohn's big, uh, or Alfie Kohn's big, uh, big ideas: no grades, no homework. Mm-hmm. Right. Better. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Now failure and Jerry and I did this a couple of weeks ago. We listened to um, Dr. Tay's – and I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Jerry, because I was I was curious about that. Mm-hmm. Um. T A E I think is Tay. Uh, think so right. Uh, so it, it's he was talking about failure is not bad. No. Um, failure is not a bad thing. Failure is fabulous. And you learn from that, but you don't want to. And I think Sylvia was talking about this last week. Sylvia Martinez was talking about the fact that you want the um, uh, the three bears. You know, you want you want it just right. Mm-hmm. You want it right in the middle. You don't want it, but a little bit uh, higher. But a little bit higher. Uh, well, you don't want it-
2: I can't pronounce his name, um, but of course you'll get lots of comments when I mispronounce it. Uh, S- Sizurmali, uh, I never remember his name. The, the, the uh, Russian or Czech um, oh. uh, theorist, you know who I'm
0: talking about. This, who is, came up- this is the one that, remember, Zach, I tried to pronounce and then Dan corrected me. It's like Chishmahali. Oh. Yes. Chich- Chich- yeah. Chich- um, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
2: The flow theory is the one that we're talking. Yes. The about. Flow yes. The just right. The, um, the the space between boredom and stress. Yes. Um, a, you know, an elevated state of attention. But but, you know, not not so much that uh, that you're into levels of stress. And uh, and that's really, really important. Um, one of the things that we made a decision about and we actually got quite a bit of grief from some in the very beginning. Um, was that we removed the ability from the alpha to the beta version for teachers to lower the value of points that students got for completing a quest. So you boys are in my class. OK, first of all, show up on time. Make sure you have all your stuff.
1: I'm just yeah. got i a boy. Uh, hey. Exactly.
2: <laughs> um, and and you're going to select activities uh, to do. Um and, and maybe you select the same one. It takes you different amounts of time. Um, and when you, you know, submit that for me to look at it, Jerry, yours is great. But, Zach, there's a couple things that are, that are just not quite there yet. Um, first That's of smart. all, we want you to, we want you to use – and so I'm just going to give you some notes, right, in the, in the questing system. Um, I want you to um, have a, um, a capital I.
1: Who's, getting, who's getting jiggy?
2: There's some, someone's
0: getting jiggy. Jerry. I That's not me. Seriously? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's really strange. <laughs> we, we're getting
0: interference
1: through Skype? I, I think so. I, that's yeah. weird. Okay, that's so we, they're listening in. <laughs> I'll,
2: I'll reset that just a little bit
1: and <laughs> we'll, we'll jump back.
2: Um, that, uh, so, um, Zach, you complete an right. activity. Yeah, I, I didn't do it very well. Right. You didn't do it very well. No, it's, it's not that you didn't do it very well. It's just that your understanding of what needed to be done wasn't at the level that we want you to show yet. So oh, you are we, a teacher. <laughs> we get to continue working on this. It's not yes. that it was wrong. It's just that there's there's more to learn. So one of the things that I'll have you do, and I'll make notes of this, if, uh, whenever you use an I, make sure you capitalize if it's an independent I – Um, Then, you know, always capitalize that we go back through and make those changes. When you do, you get the full value, the same amount that Jerry got when he submitted it. We don't punish you for your failure. We use it for a learning opportunity. And that's one of the key paradigm changing ideas that uh, that people like Jim G and uh, and, you know, uh, Cohn and and all these folks are, are talking about. Um, that we have to r- remove comparison uh, as a as a standard within a, you know a grading scheme yes. uh, and then, an advancement uh, scheme and we and look at students as individuals and and use failure as a learning opportunity um, not as a punishment.
1: Okay, so teacher cap is coming on here, and this is kind of we're throwing out names. I, I know listeners out there, so just sorry, but uh, Rick Wormley is another one. That's
2: name, name dropper.
1: Yep, name drop. Uh, and the idea that, yes, everybody moves at a different pace. Mm-hmm. Everybody, you know, learns it in a different way, in a different time. And mm-hmm. just because it might take, it might have taken you five times to complete it and somebody else completed in one, your grade should still be the same. If, as long as mastery, you know, if you've yeah. reached mastery, that's fine. Now, here's my question is that, you know, sometimes there are certain students that because how I grade now is based on mastery, strong, mm-hmm. adequate, and needs improvement. Mm-hmm. And do I? Is there a way to say that? Okay, now he's done this a few times. You know, at some point in time, you you have to or you have to say we have to go on. We have to move on. Mm-hmm. Are you saying no? Just go ahead and and keep working on it.
2: Well, they're, until they're- they complete that. Two different ways of looking at this, you know, one uh, could be um, struggling to uh, to match the expectation. Um, as teachers, I think the first direction we should look is in the mirror um, to find out if what we've created is unreasonable for this student and right. if other curriculum needs to be developed to, to supplement this learning process in a way that allows this student to be successful. One of my absolute core beliefs, and I get grief at every conference I go to when I say this: my goal is to make every student who takes my class successful. And when they're not successful through the uh, the system and the, the the course that I have constructed for them, I have to look at how that course is meeting their needs. Now, the the exception to that is when when there are you know strong and quantifiable. Um, um, impasses emotionally or behaviorally with a student where they're, they're choosing not to do that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And, and that's a different scenario. And that's usually when, when, uh, when, you know, school folks in the, uh, you know, in, in the university, you, you have, you know, a little of that, but what happens is those students simply just stop coming. Right, right. Life takes over at at, you know, in, in high school, middle school, they don't get to do that. And so there are interventions that have to happen. Right. But long before those interventions happen, I'm sitting down with those students saying, well, if not this, what what are you into? What do you like to do? What what's your what's your interest right now? I mean, and getting to know students on an individual level um, allows me to co-construct with them curriculum that meets their interest that also meets the standard um i'm a big believer that that teachers um in the new paradigm um, are are uniquely different than those uh, even that that entered the the field 15 20 years ago yep. in that um students can get knowledge everywhere mm-hmm. they don't need us to learn um, what we add is the context. Um, so, my, my, my thought is that, and I'll offer this, that perhaps we as teachers need to loosen the restrictions on how they learn and provide the context to what they learn.
1: So, I just finished up with geography of, of Rome, you know, ancient civilization. So, we're learning about the Roman Empire. And maybe I have four different ways within 3D Game Lab that they could learn that geography. Right. And I have a student that's tried all four mm-hmm. and it just it's not clicking. Do I take the Alfie Cone approach, which, you know, hopefully I'm not generalizing too much here, and say that, okay, these are these are the points that I want you to understand and maybe kind of give that student give it to them to where they can search and search out a way to complete that on their own. Give them the power to go out mm-hmm. and find that information and be able to show that to me in a way so they show understanding
2: yes that that's an approach that has been very successful i would even break it down to a micro level and and say here's here's you know let let me find out what you're interested in and what you're doing and and first try to find a connection to your language and your schema because that's what it is it's not intelligence of the student it's their schema Are they ready to to attend to this? Do they have the background knowledge that that helps them understand the new concepts and scaffold around it to build, you know, to build new knowledge moving forward? Um, I mean, they they can get that knowledge in a lot of places in a lot of different ways. Often we pick one approach as teachers and I'm using the the. Um, the collective we. Right. Um, that we believe works and it works for these kids. So why doesn't it work for this? Right. This student. And, we, and that's the model.
1: Have, that's yeah. the model that's been around for hundreds of years. Yeah. So you, you said teachers give context. I, I would even add that they they are guides. Yes. Uh, they you know, they help guide the students. But I would even say that, you know, and part of my philosophy as a teacher is that I get to know my students Mm -hmm. The better I know my students, the better that I can help them. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking of a a specific class right now, a specific student. And I think, you know, I would know that student well enough that I could, you know, be able to have a conversation with them to help guide them to say, okay, this is what we're needing to learn. You know, hey, why don't you try this? Because that's something Mm -hmm. that the kid thoroughly enjoys. So I might have a, I, I did have a student last year who was a phenomenal writer, but he also rapped. Oh yeah. You know he, he came up with uh, a rap for a unit that we did, and it was amazing. He was able to show his understanding of the the content through that rap. Now how would I, how would I do this within 3D Game Lab? Because mm. you have you Great have question. quests, you have quests. And like I said, I might have four different quests for the geography of Rome, and maybe those don't fit with what some of these students are wanting to do, and they create something on their own. How does that work within 3D Game Lab?
2: I regularly co-create quests for students that I then tag to the standard which we're trying to meet or competency that we're trying to meet and offer that quest only to that student or other students that might be interested. So we can truly differentiate the curriculum. If we, as teachers are providing the context, where does this fit in the you know in the grand narrative of this course of of you know of your of your life, of this school? Um, if we add those connections, then the students can can demonstrate it in myriad ways. So while I've created a core curriculum, which I think is pretty cool, we're constantly expanding. Last semester, I had two students who were incredibly interested in games. And I said, you know, and they're were, they were board games and kind of card games, Magic the Gathering and those kind of things. These guys are going to be teachers. And I said, um, this might sound strange, but do you guys have any interest in creating a game? And they were like, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, OK, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you massive credit if you create a game that we can play. They're like, you're kidding me. I mean, they were just out of their <laughs> mind. So, so we sat down and said, okay. So I think here's what it might take. What should we start with? And they're like, well, we got to kind of plan. I said, oh great. Will you create a planning document then, which which explains everything that you're gonna, you know, you're gonna create here? Um, then we'll probably need a rules document, right? Um, and I I kind of hinted at a couple of different lesson plan. Uh, types then they created the game pieces which they uh, used um, one of our graphic tools which by the way was another quest in itself Um, but I I gave them in in that quest the specific deliverables in this one they got to create their own deliverables and finally they did um, a a presentation well excuse me then they taught us the I'm trying to use the language that we use then I then they taught us the game and we played it so here here was the funny thing they um they created a curricular plan they created a lesson plan they uh <laughs> they you know they created uh stuff using the the graphic tools and then they did a presentation and ran a lesson
1: wow it's amazing so that's i i think that's the the magic uh, the and they learned, they learned. And, and and they learned but it wasn't <laughs> but it wasn't that big deal uh, that big of a deal mm-hmm. to them because they wanted to do it
2: um, and some people describe that as the flipped classroom,
1: yes, where the, yeah. you know, where the students decide bit,
2: yeah. and um, you know the engagement is the key. They were so motivated to do that um, and and it allowed them to use their schema and personal context and leverage it uh, to to learning rather than me assuming that I knew what it would take to help them, um, you know best do that. and and of course, while we're going through the process, I'm like, You know, don't tell anybody, but this is this is a lesson plan, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah, it is. Okay. You know, don't don't tell
1: anybody we're actually doing anything. Yeah. Don't don't tell them that they're learning. Don't um, tell them they're eating their vegetables.
2: And there are there literally dozens of examples like those two gentlemen that um, have yielded something in the curriculum. What I did, we created. I actually allowed them to create those quests themselves, and I then supplemented them. We put them in the system, and I created an award. (laughs) Um, which uh, an award in the system, by the way, is something you as a teacher can selectively give to students. And I set that reward as the prerequisite to those quests. So they were invisible to everybody else, but those students, but they were tagged to uh, the standards that they needed to,
1: to be. Um, Okay. So so you gave individual rewards. The other students didn't really, they didn't see that.
2: No. And it was, I think it was like a five point I mean, what in the in the grand scale of the of the point structure, it didn't it didn't influence you know their progress dramatically, um, but they they did the work. So so in that in that respect, I can and I do this all the time, deliver a specific curriculum to a specific student or group of students um, in small batches when they're ready for it Uh, there are two other examples of this that i've created this semester Um, in in my primary classes that i teach at the university i teach the most sections of a of a class for pre-service uh teachers in technology um how to create a rubric how to um edit a youtube video you know into a playlist how to you know embed you know all of those you know kinds of things and uh but there are some students who uh, come back to school to be teachers after other careers, uh, sometimes as right. homemakers, sometimes as, you know, whatever um, they they spend. Um, so they, they have not spent the same amount of time, say, using social networking tools, uh, using laptops um, as the, the typical 19 year old. I mean, it's not necessarily an age thing, but um, it, it does fall along those lines. So they lack the same schema that the 19-year-old uh, Facebook addict does. Um, <laughs> they don't – I mean they come in not knowing things like how to work a trackpad. Well, where's the button to click? Well, it's straight down. So that's schema that they have to develop to be successful in the environment. Um, you know, how to, what's, what's co- co- copy and paste? They don't know these things. How do you create a new tab – um, you know, in, in a, on a desktop environment, how do you move between programs so that you don't have to keep dragging the window down so that it's barely viewable, you know, how people do that, how they, you know, kids do that too. They, yeah. um, so the, those seem like relatively simple things, but, but to, to folks who don't have that schema, it's incredibly frustrating. So I can create, uh, and did create a group of quests um, that that target that specifically. And if I notice that a student is struggling with those things, I can give them without the attention of everyone else. Those quests that get added to their um, their pool of available. That's tickets. nice.
1: That's nice. I like I, I like that. You're yeah. So you're making uh, you're differentiating and you were able to do that without making anybody feel, yep. you know, inadequate. Mm-hmm. But also give them the boost that they need. Yep. Yeah, I, I definitely see that those types of quests because we're going to a, a one-on-one environment for my grade level next year. And yeah. there's common things that the students will need to be taught. And I could totally see, okay, this is how you save to your, you know, uh to the network drive. This mm-hmm. is how you uh this is power saving mode. This is how you turn down uh the screen. Brightness, so you can save a little bit on battery. Exactly. These are, you know, I, I see that as, as a wonderful part. I need to I need to jump back a little bit because yeah, I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around. I'm assuming because how you set yours up, uh, your classroom up, that everybody basically in the end, and I agree with this totally, philosophy wise, that they should be at an A. Absolutely. Because because they've received all the experience points. Yeah. So how do, and this is where, because I, I I can just see a general teacher, that's not fully implemented into that philosophy, that paradigm shift. Okay, I've done all these activities with the student. They you know they did okay. They're not at mastery. Um, how do I give experience points to that, or do can I give lower level experience points?
2: Well, you know mastery. Um I, and I'm, I'm a big believer that that effective curricular design does not place uh, the onus of mastery on a single effort that we learn. Correct. You know, we learn through repetition. Right. And that mastery comes from increasing the, you know, the the difficulty, sometimes the frequency of the, you know, that and those those behaviors. So um, so multiple activities that meet. The individual standards or competencies is ideal. You can frame, depending on what your competencies are, you can frame a quest-based course toward um, any number of of kind of uh, win winning conditions. So I've selected for my uh, my that the, my primary class the winning condition is 2,000 points and a completed portfolio. And the portfolio is just examples of everything that they've done. It's just right. a digital portfolio built in Google Sites. You know, lots of creative teachers have been using this much longer than I have. Um, it's a wonderful approach. Um, however, you could, in a classroom, say that the winning condition is 1,500 points and these three badges. And these badges are related to these, you know, three apiece quintessential um, you know, uh, quests that needed to be completed, you know, and, and they're in these three different areas. You could do that very easily. You know, you okay. could have the ancient Rome badge, you could have the, uh, ancient Egypt badge, and you could have the,
1: uh, Mesopotamia. Uh, you, yeah. you have to help yep. me
2: here. Right. No, these, uh, yeah. Mesopotamia. Yeah. yeah. These are your three badges. Yes, yeah. yeah. And, um, and maybe it's three of these four five quests rather than these uh, specific three quests
1: okay Um, so maybe it's yeah how do i match that up okay let's say i follow that mentality can i break down because you can connect these quests to standards correct absolutely how do i break down I'm, i'm trying to figure out how do i transfer that from from 3d game lab to a grade book
2: Mm. So here's here's what I have done. Um, we don't even look at a at a traditional grade book at all during uh, the regular semester. Right. Um, our our university doesn't have an ongoing kind of. Uh, we we do use Blackboard, but right. the system itself the system itself reports to the students where they are in experience points all the time. In fact, that's the that's the the top piece of the interface is. A progress bar showing them not only the, um, the the distance in experience points to the next level, and different activities unlock and different abilities unlock at different levels, um, but also the the distance necessary to complete the winning condition of the course.
1: I totally agree. I, I think oh. that's oh. that's wonderful. So,
2: so, but what's what's magical about doing it this way is that the um, the highest achievement for them is always within reach. We we haven't been chipping away at points. We haven't been um saying well you know you sorry you missed that test that uh, you you don't get to make that up and then the kids mathematically figure out so the best I can get is a B.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Um that we punish them arbitrarily for things that really fall into the responsibility training uh, aspect of of school and many many argue that that isn't the role or that um, that that role uh, should not be connected to their curricular activities uh, that we use. You know, we use these kind of tough love moments of, well, I'm sorry you didn't turn it in on the day that I said it should be due. So, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to punish you for not right. doing what I said.
1: Ultimately. Yeah, you, d- you should never punish if, mm-hmm. if somebody's made a mistake academically or behaviorally. You, you should never punish academics. Your grade is based upon what you know and understand, not on I made a mistake at this point in time. It, it, that doesn't truly reflect of, of their right. understanding.
2: So to continue answering your question and I'm really good by the way at moving off the question and never coming I, back to I, it I, I, I haven't <laughs> noticed. so I hope I hope I get I get, hope I get some XP for coming back to the question right um, that Take, is, you get the tangent badge. <laughs> okay, I appreciate that. <laughs> so the the uh, I do uh, impose a traditional structure of of grades over my class as an end product. So, two thousand points or above is an A. Um, you know, two thousand to seventeen fifty or eighteen fifty. I forget what it is. Is a B. Um, it's funny that I forget what it is because it almost doesn't matter. And I'll explain that in just a second. C, D, I mean, they're all incremental. And I tell the students, you can stop, you know, with whatever experience points you want and a completed portfolio. Completed portfolio is necessary for me to give you a grade in this class, but, you know, finish, um, Whenever you want, and because they're not bound to time, and I'll kind of give you some of the results of the of the study that we recently did, um, students can finish a 16 week course as fast as four weeks. We had two do it um, in the in the study period um, with uh, in four weeks um, to to 16, and to be honest, beyond. I, I issued a few students who had life take over. Um, you know, in the in the last couple of weeks of school, family issues and things like that, um, I issued them incompletes and allowed them to continue working on their um, you know portfolios and XP through the break. So we had uh, one student that finished at 19 weeks and one student that finished at 21 out of a 16 week course. And I converted their um, I converted their uh, their incompletes to uh, the letter grade of an A when they did. Okay. So I, d- I didn't punish them. For, uh, for due dates um, I do tell them that that you know we have this organized period of time and while it's not unlimited I'm certainly willing to be flexible right you know those things again I'm um, the rule is I try to remove anything that's arbitrary there are no due dates in my class um, there are no um, tests or quizzes um, especially for teacher educator and you know teacher education um they get plenty of examples of what those look like. If they choose to use that tool of assessment, um, I'm comfortable that they'll learn how to do that outside of my class. So I just try to focus on authentic things, products, things that they do, you know, things that they can stand behind and say. And, and you know this, you know, from art education, Jerry, is that, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's about what we create. Absolutely. You know, that, that's what demonstrates what we know and can do. It's right. what we create.
0: Yeah, we, it's it's always been a cornerstone of our program, especially when so much of today is rote memorization and yeah. repeating things on tests. You know, it's always been one of the strengths of our program is is your your yeah. your ability to judge what you've learned is is pretty easy to see by what you create.
2: Yeah, when's the last time you
0: you framed a scantron? <laughs> um, quarter to never.
2: Yeah. So. <laughs> so so to to you know, to definitively answer your question, i I use the university's grading structure um, only at the end of the course when someone has declared, "Yeah, I'm done right now in in the last year, um I have issued only two B's, and both situations um were uh, were moments where life, family take over. And they simply had to be free of the responsibility. And I was willing to accept that. Um, but there have been no C's and no D's. Um, and, a, and an inordinate number, 94% A's or A pluses.
1: Yeah.
2: A pluses are interesting and significant because um, an A plus is 2,200 points or beyond. Now, that's interesting because the winning condition is 2,000. So right. why do people continue to work? After they've technically won the course. Enjoyment. Yes. That's one of the answers that was given. Also, there were things that they still hadn't selected that they really wanted to do.
1: Hmm. It's and so the love of learning.
2: The love of learning. When you remove the, you know, the kind of bars of the gradebook, um, you know, I mean, I think of it symbolically like bars too, because everyone is kind of held behind this you know this absolute ironclad approach when we remove those bars and and really engage students in a discussion about well if not this, then what, you know, what do you, if, if not this that you want to do, and, and that's a very small percentage of my students, by the way, who say, you know, I don't like this activity. It's not good enough, but, um, we can find those things out. Um, two things that we talked about last time that I think are meaningful to people who are just listening is that the students have a voice in the quest-based system that they don't have in a regular grade book. For example, if they select an activity and complete it, when they, when they complete it, um, they have the opportunity to uh, to uh, indicate how much time it took. Um, and that's averaged into a mean that's, um, well, of course, it's averaged into a mean that's, a, <laughs> that's available to all students um, when they're selecting quests. So if I've got 20 minutes and I see that this quest is averaging 14, I'm going to, okay, I can do that in the time that I have. Um, they also um, get to give it a, a four-star rating, or excuse me, five-star rating, um, so that other students can see how other students are rating this. Uh-huh. Um, and and they get to leave public comments that are available for other users. So think about this. As a teacher, you have um, really kind of um, unfettered, unfiltered in some cases, um, opinion of the instructional activity. So instead of a teacher getting um, kind of a rate my teacher um rating at the end of a course, you know, which kind of sums up everything, we can focus granularly on each learning activity. Right. And, if, and if something sucks, um, we can pull it out. You know, if, the, if it's trending really poorly, we can improve it. We can try to figure out what's going on. We can even search through the comments and say, you said you hated this. Tell me why. Yeah. Oh, because it was all reading. I hate reading. Reading is lame. <laughs> how, how do we fix this? Can I give you 50 experience points for fixing this?
1: Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, okay. You know, now is there moderation on the comments? Yes. Okay, yes. I'm I mean, dealing with six readers, so it's one of those things. You know, if somebody puts this bleep and bleep is, you know, yeah. So
2: yeah, again, a good a good learning opportunity to say I I think I understand what you're saying here. Um, can we transform the language a little bit so <laughs> that it would be agreeable to say, you know, Jennifer. Yeah. Over there who doesn't, you know, doesn't use that. Oh, yeah, I could do that. Again, a learning opportunity yeah. instead of scolding them. You know, we right. kind of we kind of reproach with love and, and, and
1: go from there. Yeah. OK, so now I, I, I got to go back to the grading because I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's teachers mm-hmm. out there thinking, you know, I have a standard grade book that I'm supposed to enter in grades
2: Yes. So the standard grade book, um, and they were required to make regular updates into that right. grade book, um, and that and that's a common practice in a lot of school districts. But the quest-based system is ongoing, and um, and there aren't time restrictions on specific activities. Right. So so basically, it's a growth. Um, what he selected to do was to do a weekly update of the experience point total. Right. And so um, he was clear in the instructions that this showed their progress toward 2000 and that that would that would come in leaps um, and it would crawl. Sometimes he was just clear about the expectations of parents um, and and students and the students, of course, could can see their progress in the system uh, more effectively. It underscores kind of the the, the problematic nature of a grade book. Um, we we know that there are so many teachers, and I'm not talking about either of you in particular, um, that don't update their grade books regularly. I'm not calling <laughs> you out. Um, I
1: I could be better.
2: Okay. Um, oh. you know it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting thing to to report that way. Um, but since most of the feedback in the system, you know, approval of quests and experience points happens in uh, in the frame of hours. Not days, or you know, a day as opposed to a week. Um, that the the feedback is much more immediate. Um, right. The the teacher approval process in the system um, gives you the quests as they're completed, not in, necessarily in groups. So you know, while we may think that okay, in order to grade all of Project Two, I'm going to have to sit down for four hours on a Saturday morning and do this. Just like the students can sit down and say, "Okay, I'm gonna, I've got 15 minutes. Let me, let me get caught up here a little bit." Teachers do the same thing. Okay, I'm gonna grade these quests, and over on the side it says that this one's been waiting for 18 hours, this one for 16, and this one for. You you just start working through those. But what what this teacher does is um, once a week um, just looks at the the overall um, uh, points and uh, just updates that column. Just updates in this in single book. column. This is their overall, you know, um, thing. And I believe he actually has um, um, a couple of other columns for badges, right? Yeah. And it's um, with those he just uses the complete incomplete toggle. Okay. So
1: they that, can that, see those things too. It gives me some ideas, uh, it, and I'm also thinking about because I usually teach by unit. Mm-hmm. So can yeah. I? Can I okay. just Okay, I have my Egypt unit yeah. and you have to complete so many points to get to get through the Egypt unit to get an A. Right. Am I able to am I able to wipe would it be bad to wipe them out before I get to the next unit point-wise? So you have to get to level such and such before you can um, you know, before I, you're done with Egypt?
2: I think what is uh, maybe more effective in that approach? Okay, first of all, modules are great. Um, Themed activities, you know, the next two weeks we're going to kind of be steeped in this. Because, I mean, even in my classroom, um, which is uh, face-to-face, two days a week, um, I still do big events. Big, you know, to use a gaming terminology, raids. Mm -hmm. You know, on Wednesday, we're going to raid this activity. Right, right. And I give all the students the opportunity like to participate. However, if they are motivated to finish something they were working on before and don't want to do that activity with us, yeah, because they're not all required to do the same activities, they don't That's have true. to. Okay. Um, I want them to. I want them to come in and. I mean, the the most important thing is engagement. Um, and if they're engaged, they'll make it through my curriculum, no doubt in my mind. Right. Because they'll work. They'll work through things that they're interested in. So the key, that the really the magic key of of a kind of a game based approach, and in this case a quest based approach, um, is finding things and uh, that they'll be engaged to do. Right. Now there are times when uh, when I have said, okay, don't plan anything. We're all doing this one because it's so experiential. It's so outside the classroom. Um, I've done um, a cell quest activity. I think I mentioned to you that before, uh-huh. where I send all of the students out with their cell phones, um, and they've uh, they've sent me a simple email by text, and I can create groups just in my email account and send them all a, a message. And so it's a very kind of amazing race. Um, okay, go to the business building and find the computer lab and tell me how many computers are there and what. software is installed on them so instead of telling them the computer lab hours and showing them the or telling them about the resources on campus i actually send them out to find them that's awesome so it's it's like a tethered classroom and then we have this you know broad discussion about well so how else can you loosen the restrictions on their movement but still keep them focused in a curricular um, endeavor and what does that look like you know How is it different for you being away from me? How is it, you know, and it's a really wonderful learning experience, especially the reflection and conversation afterwards. But um, but I digress. So so um, the the class can be um, structured, but independent work time. It can it can also be because the system allows you to see who's working on what. I can say, you know what? There are six people who have chosen this activity. All right, I'm going to move these tables together, and this is going to be a pod where we're going to work on this. I'm going to throw some extra resources and a little of my time today in that. Um, I can also identify a student maybe who hasn't completed a lot in a, in a little while, and so I'm just going to okay. I'm going to take ten minutes today. I'm going to I'm going to sit. Uh, specifically with that student and we're just gonna work through some stuff I'm gonna give them some success you know to see if I can get the ball rolling. Right. and uh, and you know the last 20 minutes I'm gonna raid this small quest so everybody's gonna participate in that
1: I think i I think I've had um, a light bulb moment <laughs> oh good <laughs> um, and I think you mentioned it before and I think just kind of all your discussion here the rating it's 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 it starting. I have to visually see it, you know, within my yeah. head. Yeah. Uh, so I could say third quarter, uh, in order for you to, um, you know, receive an A, you would have to reach so many points and receive a, uh, a Greek badge and a Roman badge. Because yes. those are the two main, um, you know, two main subjects that I, I do during third quarter. Right. And in order – and then you can break that down even further. In order to receive the Greek and Roman badge, you have to complete, you know – these quests, or no? Right. Is that is that right? Or yeah. is, you or, need to complete.
2: Yeah, you need to complete these quests, or um, three of these five quests. Right. A, a great example might be if you're using Minecraft, and uh, and y- you are uh, you've got uh, a piece on uh, on Roman architecture. You could have students with popsicle sticks group together to create a Parthenon, right. you know, that will hold the teacher's weight. You know, <laughs> you, you hear about those things, you know, so it's a mix of physics and, and history and, well, what kind of capitals, you know, do these columns have and how are they different from other ones? Well, I'm not going to tell you, you guys look it up, you know, and yeah. they dig in and they, they, you know, they generate that knowledge themselves or they could do the same thing, meet the same standards and competencies in Minecraft, Mm-hmm. Mining for and then building their own Parthenon or Colosseum, and and actually constructing some meaning around those things. Right. They could move into even um, you know a civilization or one of those types of things, and yeah. you say, okay, we'll stage this event, and uh, and maybe shoot some machinima. You, in essence, you can find out what the students are are excited about and interested in. and right. anything that we can uh, encourage them to do that doesn't feel like school <laughs> feels like fun right will, they're learning again, and then it, it comes back to that concept of as teachers, um, you know they can they can get knowledge from everywhere, but wisdom is our special, gift to them and the context that we can apply to what they know and do to what we want them to know and do it's that it's it's that creating that simple handshake between what they do and what we want them to do you know what i mean it's an introduction yeah. really yeah. and so it's, yeah how do you how do you make that introduction
1: right it, it's it's got my head spinning and excited <laughs> cool awesome. and, and it is really cool and i'm seeing ways that i would be able to use this uh just I, yeah, totally. And I'm, I I can see Jerry. I, I could totally see ways that you could do
0: this. Yeah. I'm not even oh, an teacher. No, I'm I I'm I'm silenced over here because I the, the idea is going through my head right now or yeah. uh, <laughs>
1: So so looking at our uh because i'm looking at the time too so i'm yeah. looking at our outline and it's just like okay we have this huge outline but i think some of these we can kind of uh, bust through fairly quickly yeah. you talked about badges and those yep. those are basically you know you complete a quest or do an activity or uh do th- something special they can receive a badge for that
2: yeah and let me tell you a little bit about just kind of the the idea of badging you know we we for a long time have had this industrial approach to education, and we know about this, right, that, um, that there are a number of ways that we organize this. And if you really kind of compare the two, you see the industrial paradigm all over schools, separate buildings focused on certain kinds of uh, construction, knowledge construction specifically, ringing bells, factory rows, yes, um, very regulated. This is the time for math. And when time for math is over, there's no reason to think about it anymore because it's now time for the next class. <laughs> and what we, find, what we find is that this isn't very effective. It, it works for about 15 percent of the high-performing students. Almost all of the high-performing students also will tell you that they understand the game of education, that in order to get what they want, they have to sit up straight, turn things in on time, Say things the right way. Figure out what the teacher wants. You know, are they the, um, the you know teacher who wants to feel like the students like them, or are they the teacher that wants just great work and is not going to put up with any you know right. funny business and smarminess, and they won't, they won't be uh, brown nosed at all. Um, you know, teach, uh, students know how to play the game. But what we're talking about um, is that is that school itself credentials you for college. College credentials you for maybe more college or for career paths. And it's, it's basically jumping through the hoops necessary so that what you want to do um, is allowed by those who decide who gets to do it. And less about the knowledge that you attain. We assume that high school equals enough knowledge to go to college, that good grades must equal and good test scores must equal the uh, credential to be able to go to certain colleges, you know, the you know the really prestigious ones—Harvard, Stanford, Boise State—that uh,
1: <laughs>
2: hey, that, that wasn't nice. Um,
1: well, and, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, Harvard or Yale d- didn't fit.
2: Yeah, right, right. Well, Yale—I mean, seriously, the party <laughs> party school. Anyway, uh, the uh, but. But what's actually being learned is not being well recorded and it's not very transferable. So if I am interested in a career in electrical, uh, just being an electrician's mate, right? That's not something that you you have to go to college for. You can apprentice something like that. But that's what my dad does. Um, is there a way that school can provide me with a better Understanding of the incremental knowledge that I've created and the things that I can know and do well a class Doesn't necessarily do that because the competencies can be different school to school district to district Even if we have national standards, which everyone's clamoring for it'll only be a few years before it uh, You know people start to suggest better and higher. I mean we're always evolving (laughs) but badges badges offer a unique ability for not just schools to uh, To give credit to students for formal learning in smaller bites, but to give, um, you know, informal environments the ability to also demonstrate what you know and can do. If you work, um, if you work at a, I don't know, a, a local pool, and you complete the pool's course on, on. Uh, equipment maintenance and perhaps pool maintenance, there may be some chemical learning that you do that may be valuable somewhere else. If you have that badge in your Mozilla Badges backpack, other people can leverage your knowledge and see what you can do. In In much the same way you kind of list at the bottom of your curriculum vita the things that you have accomplished and the, and the tools that you know how to use, a Badges backpack will give a digital representation not just of those things but of other things that you can do but it shows your
1: progress
2: oh yeah, yeah showing, it, showing your progress
1: it shows your differentiation mm-hmm. you, how you are um you know I have students that are artists I have students that are yes very good at uh, uh you know with math I have students that are very good with computer programs. you know so that kind of shows where they are leaning and that helps me as a teacher to see where they are at, Absolutely. maybe to say that okay, hey, this is something you need to. Uh, this would fit, you know, your area because you have these certain badges. These are your certain skills, mm. and it can also say that you know what, you're really good in these areas, but you know, as maybe. your teacher, I, I'm thinking that you know these skills are great, but if you're really wanting to go towards being an electrician or an engineer, you might want to add these other badges, these other skills. You can't totally focus you know these are good that you you understand these areas, but you're going to need to understand this other area in order to to really go towards that goal and I see that within gaming, you yes. know you have different you have different characters, you have different uh, careers uh,
2: specializations yes.
1: crafts mm-hmm. yep so and you follow those um, those roles. Yeah. Within the game. And you can kind of see your path in the beginning. You can kind of say, you know, I want to be a I, I'm always lawful good. So, you know, I'm a paladin. So, you know, I can I can see my path and the different paths that I can take and to reach the right. ultimate goal, trying to be the highest level I can.
2: And, and think about what this does. If if you're a student and you and there's a, a another student who's maybe a couple of years ahead of you that just became the valedictorian. What, what is the path? What is the, the subset of characteristics and experiences that may help to define that student? You know, If we can share that and look for that, we can aspire to be the people we want to be, and our students can aspire to be the people they want to be. And what's unique about this is that badges and the Mozilla Open Badges Initiative which uh, Game Lab is now—we won a a DML uh, competition grant. Um, We're partnered with uh, NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, to create um, career path education within within five different areas of environmental science. These badges, when they earn them, will go into these students' badges backpack, which could, at some point— um, meet the qualifications of a of a college uh, entrance or perhaps prerequisite. They're utilized by different um, sources, they might be able to get a raise at their job. They might uh, be entitled to to a path or an experience within a career that they wouldn't otherwise, it, because it shows these things. And what's interesting is that is that the badges backpack doesn't just say these are for school. You could earn a Mozilla badge, say, playing uh, World of Warcraft by being a leader. Maybe there's some specific leadership badge that's tied to the Open Badges Initiative. And what, uh, what's magical about that is whether you learn, uh, say, the um, algebra uh, integers from Saul Khan on the Khan Academy, or you learn that from you know, Mrs. Johnson in the seventh grade, It doesn't matter where that knowledge comes from. Demonstration of that competency and earning of that badge should be valuable. The problem we have experienced is that uh, informal learning doesn't have a place in the formal structure because it doesn't fit into a column of the gradebook. It doesn't fit into the the master. Even though it's there. Even though they know how to do it. We don't honor it. We make them – Um, Go back over that course. One of the many reasons that students say, well, school is irrelevant because it's not as flexible as the rest of their world. It's not as flexible as the social tools that they use and the other environments that they interact in.
1: That's opened up a whole can of worms. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's because, you know, having the system set uh, from grade level to grade level would really show the teachers. It'd give them invaluable information Mm -hmm. about each of their students. Absolutely! Wow, um, we we're we're running out of time. <laughs> running <We're laughs> out of time here. I know we had you talked about the badges. Yep. I know you you've done a study through 3D Game Lab uh, for a full year. You said you had one piece there that was just mind blowing.
2: Okay, so um, traditionally.
1: Hello. Hello. Sorry.
2: <laughs> so I'll start that again. That's all right. So traditionally. My classes had a B slanted bell curve. There were, you know, B's were the highest number of grades achieved historically in my class, largely, and students would admit as much because a B was good enough. A B was good enough and they didn't have to work harder than they wanted to, to get the grade that they want. They recognize in, in, especially in college, that they're bartering their time and attention for the grade that they want. And all students do this. They barter the time and attention unless they're really engaged in your subject. Then they do it for the love of it. Art, music, um, you know, history for many students, but not for all, mm-hmm. as you know.
1: Yes. So, <laughs> Thanks, Chris, for pointing that out.
2: Well, no, it's, it's, I, I mean, just... you, you have some kids that are like, seriously, tell me more. Oh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and other kids are like, uh, can we yeah. pack up yet?
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly.
2: So, uh and part of that reason is that they they're not given a choice when they come in they do what has been selected for them Mm -hmm. they as 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 wonderful a teacher as you are as engaging as you are as flexible as you are and as as much time and energy as you put into designing the the perfect activity it's still your choice not theirs our own personal choices are motivating and in a quest-based approach, it's built almost entirely on your choice. Mm-hmm. If it's a bad week for you and you don't get as much done as other weeks, that shouldn't be the punishment you know, from which you can never recover right. acad- you know, academically. So uh, the, 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 the amazing blow-your-mind kind of thing is that is that this slanted kind of B bell curve with a module-based course went away completely when I switch to a complete choice-based system within the class. Students are always within striking distance, although at various distances, from the highest possible grade in the class. And they're choosing the activities that they want to do based on the schema that they have. Schema being, um, I don't have a lot of energy this morning. I feel like it'd be better if I just watch a video and kind of write a short response. Or, my friend is diving into this quest. I'm going to do it with her. I'm motivated in that direction uh, to other um, you know, motivations of students uh, as, as they have them. I've never done this before, so I'm going to do this. Oh, this looks easy. I'll do this. Easy is a, is a very tricky word in education because it doesn't mean without rigor, value, or, um, or connection to the competency. Right. It simply means that they have a schema which allows them to do that. If if I gave you the choice of um, of going bowling or skydiving, which would you choose?
1: Uh, bowling. <laughs> so
2: we have different reasons for that, and each of you bring your own personal context into that. Uh, I don't have any desire to jump out of a plane, might make you want to go bowling. Um, the the. You know, I've, I've been skydiving before or I've always wanted to try that kind of feeling with skydiving makes you select an activity like that. They're both difficult but in different ways. They both require different skills. Uh, but you in your own personal context are really good at choosing what you can engage to right now. Right. So I as Great a teacher, point. no matter how much I want to know you and how hard I try to understand you, I can't make those decisions for you with the same – um, degree of accuracy that you can right so why am i trying i shouldn't i should let you i should frame the experiences with some flexibility so that i can frame more if 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 i don't have enough or the right kind and i should let you choose what you want to do so the um the big aha moment is that is that in in the last semester 94 percent received those a's or a pluses in the previous semester there were no b's no c's no Ds, four Fs, two incompletes, which eventually converted to A's. What's Mm. unique about that is, I mean, the the Fs were kind of traditional college dorm flu. Mm. Um, You know the dorm flu.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, (laughs) Class was too early because it was at two in the afternoon. Yes. It had been just after dinner. Yeah, the dorm (laughs) flu. Yeah, yeah. so – but what what we find is by giving them choice. I mean, a lot of people, you know, fear. Oh my goodness, it's it's a train wreck. It's never going to work. No one's going to pass your class if you don't require them to do things by a certain day. But the fact is, the number of quests or activities completed went from about 21 average uh, in a module based course to 36 mm-hmm. in a quest based course, and the uh, average completion time went from 16 weeks, which was, you know, the mandated module based to um, to 100 days or about 12 weeks in the semester. And uh, the uh, the plot of how students finished, you know, it was slanted at the end. Quite a few took the full semester to do it because they could. There was no there's no comparison between the other students, but some wanted to be done fast so that they could free free up that time. And I didn't hold them back from wanting
1: to learn. Yeah. No, sorry. Uh, can't do that. We don't yeah, want sorry. you learning.
2: <laughs> I, I, I know you're excited you know, to, to do this, but I'm sorry. You're going to have to wait another week before uh, you can get anything new.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. And that, uh, so
2: that and, and that's and those pretty results, amazing. I, I, can't, I can't discuss in the same detail the results of the most recent uh, semester, um, but it is trending exactly in the same direction.
1: Those are double secret.
2: Those are de- – well, <laughs> they, they haven't cleared uh, the Institutional Review Board yet. Gotcha. So um, when they when they do, then I can talk about those. Yeah. But they are trending in the same direction. Oh,
1: cool. So, okay, so – Oh, sorry. Uh, so the last three things. We talked a little bit about Minecraft. I know you've hooked up with uh, Minecraft teacher. Yep. Joel um, Joel Levin. And uh, so you're doing some work with him, and I'm guessing Minecraft EDU?
2: Well, I'm actually doing Minecraft right now with uh, with Lucas.
1: Okay, and, yeah, that's right, that's uh, right.
2: He he and Joel have exchanged uh, some curriculum. Uh, Joel is uh, is a featured speaker, regular speaker at uh, the Games in Education Symposium in New York, and we're all going to meet there again this August. If there are any folks who are in that area who have not ever gone to that one, it is a surprisingly cool. And, uh, and synergistic. I hate using that word, but that's the best way I can describe it, conference. We learn so much from each other and get to interact with what each other are doing in the classroom that it just builds a lot of momentum
1: uh, yeah. going
2: into the school well, year. Because and
1: Minecraft, it, is, yes. Minecraft has been a big explosion, especially with in education. So that's so those some of those modules and things will be within 3D Game Lab then.
2: Right. We have a... a uh, actually, Lucas has created a Minecraft curriculum that's available in 3D Game Lab. One of the one of the pieces that is the most interesting is when we built the system, we wanted all material that was created, all quests, to be completely shareable with all other users. Right. You can set it to private if it contains information that that's just not okay for your um, your school to let go. But um, all quests, in their default position, are Covered by Creative Commons licensing, so you can search the system. If I'm going to create a Minecraft curriculum, and I did this for my own class, I want to create a Minecraft curriculum. I can search for all other Minecraft quests, clone them into my own class, and change the details so that they meet my uh, deliverables, exit standards, or, or other details. So we can u- we can share freely with each other within the system uh, our good uh, quests and ideas and The students can search for themselves so they can actually look for, say, a video game title that they that they're really interested in and cross connect it with uh, your class subject to see if there are any quests that are already created.
1: Right. Well, and then so that that sounds amazing. And then uh, Lucas and Peg, they're doing a teacher camp this spring that started uh, March.
2: Yeah, the 3D Game Lab tool. It actually started at the beginning of April. The 3D Game Lab tool um, has been in closed beta. We used it at the university ourselves. We then brought in about 200 teachers as part of a teacher camp uh, to both help fund the further development of the project and um, to bring in teachers uh, to really start the development of this environment. Um, They were involved um, as... uh, as designers, curriculum designers, quest designers, for our first camp, and we brought them back for our second camp as well. We recently, in, in April, opened it up, and now it's going to be an ongoing open beta uh, that we'll be bringing folks in. Um, the, I don't know that the price structure has been um, worked out entirely, but we are still a university-funded project, and so we've got to keep uh, – you know the grant money that comes in now certainly keeps, keeps the development going. But we have big aspirations for including a lot of things. In fact, we talked about it just a second ago. We're going to bring in um, embedded virtual worlds into the quests via Jibe and Unity. Um,
1: so that's, that's, that's exciting. And that's that's be awesome. Jerry and I are going to have uh, some big conversations. We, we need to have. Yeah, we definitely yeah, that's, need to have that's a, a whole other story. show. That's a whole other yeah. show. That's a whole other show. Uh, anything yeah. else about uh, 3D Game Lab that you want to? Um, we, are going to have a link on the, on the show notes. We'll, um, we'll have some stuff up there. Any last thoughts?
2: Well, for any of your listeners who are still on the treadmill or commuting, um, (laughs) I would, I would say that, you know, this approach, you know, we, we have created a tool. We're trying to fund our own tool by, by getting, uh, some folks in to use it because there wasn't anything like it. But the paradigm itself will continue to change. Ours won't be the only tool like this. We would love to see other, uh, you know, uh, learning management systems uh, adopt this or other approaches uh, that allow for student choice. Student choice is the paradigm changer. Yes. You know, I, I, it's, it's a mantra. They don't need us to find knowledge. They need us to find meaning and wisdom. And to to help them understand where it fits in their world. So giving them the choice to explore the things they want doesn't take away our power as a teacher. I think it increases it and gives us the opportunity to help them make the connections to things that are meaningful to them. We can't decide their fate and their future. Only they can. And allowing them to choose that with the guidance of someone with wisdom um, makes that possible. So I, I would just say if you're still listening and you're or you're doing your
1: cool down. <laughs> what do you mean, Chris? I
2: I just know how I am with podcasts and it's it's always about the treadmill. So
1: yeah, it's all good. It's all I, I am I am really excited uh, about this, especially as I mentioned before, we're going to one to one, and I really see this as something that if I can get this implemented, I I totally see it as a positive i think those within my district right. that are of like mind will you know just embrace this and i think the kids would thoroughly thoroughly enjoy it very cool so thank you for listening to this week's Ed Gamer podcast oh what
2: oh yeah well I, I i'm gonna listen to it again anyway so
0: <laughs> it was <laughs> that congratulations good. on your um on your badges for the for Boise State, congratulations on your doctorate too. Thanks for joining. Yeah, us. I appreciate
1: that. That's awesome. So thank you for listening to this week's Edgamer podcast. Please follow us on EdReach.us, and also follow all the great podcasts and blog posts on the EdReach network.
0: Have a great week. I hope Ronald Wayne has a better week. Ronald Wayne? Who's Ronald Wayne? The guy that sold his 10% share of Apple in uh, for eight hundred dollars. No, like in. God, what year was it? I don't know, it was like eighty two. Yeah, something like that. It's worth about twenty two billion right now. Wow. Wow.